technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... The thing that I, that I almost dread hearing uh, is, is, the, is the telco CEO that says, you know, our customers' data is, is terribly important and we take it very, very seriously. That's almost the last thing I want to hear. I'm much more impressed and much more eager to hear telcos at the leadership level talking, not coming out with the trite sound bites, but talking, for example, about where their company is on the um, security capability maturity model. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. The introduction of 5G wireless offers great reward for the telecom and enterprise sectors, but as is often in life, the bigger the reward, the greater the risk. 5G will give us the ability to deploy hundreds of thousands of Internet of Things sensors managed remotely via eSIM and other new technologies. It offers the ability to connect more devices per tower at blazing fast speeds. And 5G's ability to slice a piece of the network off as a dedicated mobile virtual network operator for enterprise introduces a complexity not seen in 4G. For insight into the security risks of 5G and what the industry must do to address them, Futurhythmic turned to Patrick Donegan, the founder and principal analyst at Harden Stance in London. We began by looking at the state of security today to inform the state in the future. I think it's probably fair to say that you know you, 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 we, we do not see mobile-driven ad- attack vectors causing the kind of pain uh, that we see in, in enterprise security land. So, you know, mobile networks and uh, mobile devices are not uh, the, the the subject of the kinds of breaches of of of, of, of the kind of Equifax and and, and, and outfits like that. Uh, where you know uh, tens of millions, uh, hundreds of millions of folks are being severely damaged at any one time. Uh, you know, IP theft not on the same scale. So, you know, it's it, mobile security is not causing uh, you know the types of pain that we're seeing in in in, in the fixed the, uh, the the sort of PC enterprise uh, and PC server world. But you know, there are issues nevertheless. Uh, I think in, in in the mobile industry, uh, certainly in the mobile operator industry, folks tend to. Uh, take great pride in 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 the the, you know, the security of the air interface with the encryption there, which is you know a, a, a legacy capability which has served the industry incredibly well. Um, but in all sorts of other areas and all sorts of other other um, parts of the mobile ecosystem, uh, the mobile sector is 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 leaking data um, left, right, and centre. And there are all sorts of examples uh, of that which we can we, we can speak to if you wish. Well, give me a prime example of that. Plain old SIM swap fraud uh, is is on the rise again. Uh, the CEO of Twitter, his account started, uh, you know, uh, coming out with uh, very unpleasant, uh, racist, homophobic, horrible stuff a few weeks ago because uh, his uh, his account had been hijacked through SIM swapping. Yeah, and that's that's that 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 relies on uh, SMS messages and uh, and and you know the cards being uh, cards cards being obtained or access to. Uh, sim, uh, secondary SIMs being obtained through poor authentication at all points in the uh, ecosystem. For example, the uh, you know the, the 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 retail outlets that the mobile operators have, if their staff are not authenticating the validity of people who come in saying that they've they've lost their 
uh, SIM card, then you, you open the door to, to that sort of fraud. Uh, we're also seeing uh, you know, examples of uh, well-known SS7 vulnerabilities being used to defraud customers' uh, bank accounts, again, leveraging uh, the SS7 vulnerabilities and the SMS uh, interactions that, that go on there. CLI spoofing is becoming a, a substantial problem. We're seeing uh, substantial examples of spyware being used, for example, by governments to spy on political opponents. Uh, in the US, you've got operators that are being sued for releasing customer location data without their approval. Uh, you even have, an, even have a case where the Department of Justice is suing someone uh, on the grounds that they have evidence that they were effectively bribing uh, AT&T employees to perpetrate on the, uh, the, the, the sim-related fraud of, of AT&T uh, mobile customers. The most, imp the most uh, important one, uh, the most concerning one, I think, is the one that was discovered by a security outfit called uh, Cyber Reason a few weeks ago, that was June, July time. They identified uh, or observed and identified uh, an operation which they called Soft Cell, which they uh, believed to have been uh, the work of a Chinese uh, threat actor group, wherein this outfit were able to drop um, malware on a public facing server of a telco or telco group, uh, which was successful as a bridgehead in exfiltrating a customer called Data Records, which is you know, the height of what mustn't happen in a, a telco environment. So I think, you know, the, uh, you know, the telcos have a decidedly mixed record uh, in uh, security and privacy. Uh, and my impression is it's always hard to measure um, accurately what's going on in terms of are things getting better, are they getting worse? Uh, because there are, uh, you know, there are the, the, the threats that are published. There, there are those that are known but are not in the public domain, and there are also so those that are unknown, where people are being um, attacked and they don't even know it yet, or large companies are. My impression anecdotally is that things are, are getting worse, uh, and just at the time when we're about to launch, uh, or in the process of launching, uh, a whole new generation. So the general picture isn't all that good, I wouldn't have thought. I wonder if we exacerbate the problem with one of the most important features of 5G over its predecessors, which is the network slicing ability that gives a telco the ability to slice off a piece of their network for any given enterprise customer who can then treat it like their own mobile virtual network and run their own applications, their own services, provide their customers with applications and services. Do we see a, a substantial security risk that comes with that network slicing technology? I would say you're, you're running miles ahead of yourself there, Michael. Okay. Well, in the sense that uh, what you're referring to is highly theoretical at this time. It's, it's in the very early stages of being standardized. Um, nobody expects it to be materially rolled out in any meaningful way for another three or four years. Uh, so yes, there are, there are absolutely issues with network slicing. Uh, there's, there's a, there are whole issues relating to the, the, the sheer complexity of orchestrating uh, network slicing independent and irrespective of security. Um, when we do come to network slicing, yes, absolutely, there are, there are a whole bunch of issues associated with that. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to ensure the isolation of different VNFs and all the rest of it. Um, you have to ensure uh, the proper authentication or authorization of different devices onto different slices, all that. In that sense, you're right, but, but if I may, that's, that's sort of three to four years down the road, uh, and we have a bunch of far more substantial issues rearing up in front of us right now and in, in the short and medium term rather than 
uh, pointing to slicing. What are the biggest issues as you see them then that we have to deal with today versus three to five years from now? So I, I think there's a there's a there's a generic issue uh, that's already underway pre 5G, which is just the the rising um, scale of, of of devices, the rising proliferation of devices. We're going to see that accelerate with 5G. Obviously, the way 5G is designed uh, for, uh, for for IoT much more so than previous generations. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of those devices are going to be IoT things, which have very, very weak security. Um, so there's going to be, uh, with on the device side, on, on, on the end device side, there's going to be uh, a dramatically uh, increased potential for uh, signaling storms arising from devices just misbehaving. And so that is a, that is a known risk that everybody recognizes is, is going to happen. It's already in the early stages of happening. Uh, and it will only accelerate dramatically over time. You have to bear in mind that with these uh, IoT devices, uh, the sort of revenue and signaling uh, mix with these devices is fundamentally different to anything we've seen before. You know, you, you, you put a smartphone in the network, you may get 15, 20, 25, $30 a month, whatever it might be, uh, and a limited amount of, uh, you know, signaling when the, when, when, when the device really gets going. With IoT things, you're getting you know fractions of a halfpenny per month uh, for, uh, out of out of each device, and and potentially uh, you know um, depend, depending on the device, uh, more signaling. So that's a big issue. Um, I think when you look at the first uh, wave of 5G launches, which is which it, which have already occurred um, in all the major regions of the world. Now we've got you know 5, 5G underway in, in, in most regions. Um, there's not a major new security risk uh, attached with that. And the reason for that is you're basically getting um, 4G radios and, and plugging them in, sorry, you're getting 5G radios and plugging them into 4G cores. Uh, so in that sense, there's not a, there's not a, a substantial change of, 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 of the, uh, the security risk profile, if you like. Where the big um, step change comes from a security risk perspective is when you introduce the 5G core. That 5G core is uh, compiled of multiple discrete um, networking components that are now broken out and distributed. They're connected and uh, communicate with one another through um, much more open APIs that leverage IT standards rather than much more closed telecom standards. So that whole um, uh, security by obscurity that the telco sector has been able to enjoy for many decades uh, that goes out the window with 5G because all of the uh, protocols that are being used are much more IT orientated, which means you've got a vast pool of programmers that understands all these protocols and therefore you know, uh, and, and a consequentially much larger pool of attackers that can go after them. So I think at a 50,000 foot level, that's the main sort of you know, risk increase that you get with, uh, with moving to 5G. When you referenced uh, IoT, Internet of Things, as a, a potential security risk, one of the, the benefits of 5G is eSIM technology that allows us to provide remote provisioning of any of that kind of gear. No longer are you going to have to worry about somebody climbing up a pole and swapping out a SIM card. I, I wonder if that is a bit of a Pandora's box insofar as you're now going to have to be that much more concerned about somebody hacking the remote provisioning capability of IoT that then turns a swarm of sensors or gadgets upon the industry. And you mentioned signaling storms. It sounds like the denial of service attacks, the distributed denial of service attacks that we see in wireline-based technology 
at risk of becoming a, a commonplace issue with IoT in 5G? Well, yeah, I mean, as soon as you have, uh, as soon as you, you, you have remote provisioning of the, dis the kind you described, as, as soon as you start automating and firing things up at scale uh, in a more, you know, on a more automated software driven basis, then, yeah, absolutely, you, you, you have huge amounts of, of risk associated uh, with that. And it's, it's not, I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, it, it, it's DDoS attacks. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's devices uh, launching, you know, vast amounts of signaling traffic or other at, uh, at all sorts of at, 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 at target points or, or random points. Um, so obviously you have a, a, a substantial security risk associated with that, but it's also the, the potential for uh, malware on those uh, devices to corrupt the integrity of the of the packets that are being uh, carried. So you know you, you have you, you that that that's not just a, that's not just a um, uh, that's not just a, a, a taking things out of service uh, through DDoS. It's 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 potentially you know warping. Uh, targets in, in other ways than just taking them down. I wonder if part of the problem is also part of the solution. We are deploying 5G with the increased security risks that come with it, that you can't have an IT person sitting in front of a dashboard looking for red lights. We're going to have to turn a lot of the control over security to machine learning systems and algorithms that are capable of responding in a split second. Yes, I mean that. That so that that that's already um, that's already substantially uh, in place. Certainly in, in in the enterprise security domain, machine machine learning uh, algorithms have been have been uh, you know in play uh, in the cybersecurity world for, for for a number of years. And so so there's already um, some element of that uh, of that automation uh, that that sort of auto automated response to. Uh, the most basic recognized uh, at, uh, attacks and, and, and malicious traffic, that's already uh, significantly in play. And within their own uh, IT environments, most telcos are, are using those types of uh, capabilities already. That's, you know, that, that's, that, that's one challenge is taking, you know, well-known, familiar um, uh, malicious traffic and just dealing with it automatically, leveraging machine learning and AI um, as and when. But the you know what what you're still left with is the subset of um, of traffic which is either is definitely malicious or kind of looks a little bit weird but you're not quite sure, uh, and that's where that's where you know substantial amounts of uh, you know uh, uh, energy still needs to be put, and that's and that in that environment that's that's harder to take automated uh, decisions uh, because you, what what you have there is ambiguity you have uncertainty. And that's where you know you're going to continue to re uh, require you know substantial levels of human intelligence over time, working more and more in conjunction with uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. So it's really about trying to um, uh, deal with the, uh, the, the 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 known threats uh, on as automated a basis as you possibly can, levering those technologies, but then you know continuing to require human investigation of the more complex, sophisticated, obfuscated issues. And how do we go about accomplishing that when you just finished telling me that the telecommunications industry has a reputation for addressing security uh, through obscurity and that 
that that doesn't sound like a very effective means of managing security. Do, do we not have a corporate culture that's going to be capable of tackling these 21st century 5G problems that we didn't have with 4G? If I may, you've, 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 you've bundled together quite a few different things there. Um, it was a bit of a grenade, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's three or four different themes to pick up there. I'm going to ask you to split them out. Okay, so then let's start with um, if it's up to humans to be responsible for monitoring a network for traffic that is not explicitly suspicious, but maybe, and we don't have the machine learning algorithms capable of putting that together and concluding that that mildly suspicious activity is in fact a bad thing. How can we expect the telecommunications industry to ensure that they're putting the right people in front of the screens to monitor that when, as you've already pointed out, in many cases, um, the industry has gotten by by treating security as a product you buy and plug in, put on the shelf, or as security as something that, so long as most people don't know about it and it's an obscure issue, then we can just sort of hide behind that. So when I was referring to obscurity, I was referring to the uh, the obscurity of some of the protocols that are used in the in, in the telecom industry. Uh, they are unique to the telecom industry. The three GPP interfaces, the SS sevens. That you know, they're, they're private to the telco industry. That's that's what I meant by um, obscurity up until now. Right, and so there's just a lack of knowledge about how the systems work, and therefore, because there's a lack of knowledge, we don't have as great a threat, or we feel that there won't be as great a threat because not everybody knows how the system works. Yes, so, the, so yeah, it, at, at, but but that's at the, the and but you're focusing as 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 people very often do when talking about the telco sector, particularly telco sector insiders, is that we focus very much on on the telco part, as as, as we've just done in the last minute or so. Hmm. If you look at the uh, attack which I mentioned previously, the the soft cell attack, that was a regular enterprise level attack, which was leveled at the public facing web servers of a telco. Nothing to do with that telco's telco infrastructure. Everything to do with its regular enterprise infrastructure. And I think one of one of the points I would make is that the telco industry tends to think and talk about the security or otherwise of its own telco infrastructure, which is very important and and you know, or, uh, you know clearly clearly an important priority. However, telcos have if if they're it's no point having a very secure telco infrastructure in which you know the HLRs are well protected on the telco side, various elements are well protected on the telco side. If attackers are able to enter via the enterprise uh, IT side of the house and leverage that to exfiltrate customer call data records, so I think the, the, so. One of the big issues that telco faces, the telco industry faces, is to yes focus on the security of the telecom infrastructure components themselves. By all means, continues to remain very very important, but we need to focus very much more on the routine sort of enterprise security. Uh, basic hygiene uh, of the telco as an enterprise, much as every other enterprise needs to do. And I think that's the part that we're not doing well enough at and we're not paying enough attention to. It sort of sounds like how the Dutch built a wall along Manhattan to protect it from attack, but they didn't think that the attackers would come in from the other side of the island. That's a, that's a, that's a very simplified way of putting it, and it, <laughs> it, it's it's a perfectly good way of saying that you you know it, the, the telcos have multiple um, technology domains. They have the 
the, 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 the billing system domain, the operational system domain together. They have the, the telco infrastructure. They have their public-facing web servers. They have their, their own internal enterprise IT. Every single one of those endpoints, everything, every single one of those elements is a potential bridgehead uh, that can gain access to other elements. Because bear in mind that what all organizations are trying to do these days, including telcos, is something marvelous called digital transformation. And of course, the marvelous thing about digital transformation, what does it do? It makes the boundaries within organizations and between organizations and their partners and customers more porous, more frictionless, which is fabulous from an efficiency perspective. Fabulous from a revenue generation perspective. Fabulous from a, a, a user and partner and customer experience perspective. But if you don't simultaneously uh, make the uh, interactions for untrusted parties, untrusted behaviors, uh, more frictionful, if I can use that phrase, at the same time as you're making trusted uh, actions, trusted behaviors, uh, frictionless, you've got a problem. And this, this is the dilemma of digital transformation. And the issues for telcos is that they have digital transformation programs occurring in conjunction with the transition to 5G. So you've got risk uh, opening up on the 5G telco infrastructure side. You've got risk opening up with digital transformation. So pursuing all those um, opportunities is absolutely fabulous so long as you're raising uh, the bar with respect to uh, the security side of the story as well. And I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's too much, um, what would I say? There's too much, uh, there's, there's too much talk uh, around that and, uh, and not enough investment, particularly with respect to operational security. So if there needs to be more investment in this, um, tell me about how CSPs can monetize managed security services okay well, well again that, that that that's a leap because there's there's a basic level of uh, embedded uh, cybersecurity that has to be gotten right and we're not doing that today so i think i think before telcos think in terms of monetizing security they need to get their basic house in order and make that a priority first. And I think there's a very, very long way to go there. How much does corporate culture play a role in that? The, the structure of any given telco? The corporate culture is fundamentally important. I mean, in, in my mind, the thing that I, that I almost dread hearing uh, is, is, the, is the telco CEO that says, you know, our customers' data is, is terribly important and we take it very, very seriously. That's almost the last thing I wanna hear. Um, I'm much more impressed and much more eager to hear uh, telcos at the leadership level talking, not coming out with the trite sound bites, but talking, for example, about where their company is on the um, security capability maturity model, which is a well-known five-layer model. You know, you're 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 a, 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 you know one and two are the lowest, three, four and five are the highest. Um, and most telcos today are at a two or a three. Uh, the end state is is is, is five. And I, 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 I really would love from a cultural perspective to hear telcos from the leadership down saying, look, we are at a level two or three on the capability maturity model today. Uh, we want to get to a level three or four within the next 12, 24, 36 months. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, this, these are the goals we're going to have. This is how we're going to fund it. Um, that's where, you know, telco security culture comes in. And in my mind, there are a subset of telcos that are headed in that sort of direction. 
but the majority aren't today. And I think it's, you know, if, if to be successful uh, in 5G, in the 5G era, shall we say, um, telcos are going to have to, to go down that road. How do they get down that road? Uh, by have, I think the, fu the, the, the fundamental how do they get down that road is to understand the pivotal importance of enterprise chief information security officers in the 5G buying cycle. And that, in my mind, is not fully properly understood yet. Um, uh, uh, operators and vendors are making great play of the opportunity that's represented by uh, 5G vertical use cases. Uh, autonomous cars, uh, uh, smart factories, uh, smart cities, uh, agricultural uh, use cases, all sorts of things. All of which, by the way, are absolutely phenomenal and marvelous, and 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 you know, great, great world-saving potential. I think that they're they're all great. Um, but what no one is really putting enough thought into is that these use cases, and and by the way, all the revenue uptick that is assumed to be going with all that, have to be signed off by the enterprise customers. And that means they have to be signed off by the enterprise CISO, who uh, is looking at this new 5G use case, looking at edge use cases, looking at their data being stored and deployed in all sorts of weird and wild and remote exotic locations, looking at potentially sharing their, uh, their own uh, data and applications in the same environment as a telco, possibly on the same uh, hardware. And those enterprise CISOs are going to have to sign off on these 5G use cases. And if they don't like the look of them, bearing in mind they're also under increased pressure nowadays from GDPR. And we saw um, British Airways here in the UK threatened with a $200 million fine for a GDPR failing just a few months ago. Those enterprise CISOs are going to say, I ain't signing off on this. This isn't good enough. Go back to the drawing board. So I think that, in my mind, is the, the primary way in which telcos telco leaders are going to understand the requirement for, um, for, 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 for them to raise their game in cybersecurity. I think consumers uh, having a bad time here or there, um, enterprises uh, having uh, you know, a bad time here or there, which the telco may or may not be responsible for, um, is I don't think that's going to move the needle. I think it's going to take for money telcos it's going to take revenue expectations relating to 5G vertical use cases being uh, being turned down because enterprise CISOs look at them and saying, I'm not playing ball. I think, regrettably, I think for many telcos, it's going to take that kind of pain uh, for them to for them to recognize this. Leaders will get it. And let, let, let's be fair, you know, there's a subset of leaders uh, that do get it and are moving forward in a, in a positive direction. But the majority still have a, a long way to go in my mind. So it sounds like what you're ultimately saying is that the industry needs to get its house in order when you look at the capability maturity model before they can start providing their customers with the necessary advice or monetized managed security services uh, to ensure that they too are in a secure environment when they do their work on this new 5G network. It's, it's the whole eating your own dog food thing. You, 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 know, you have to be a, a, a high-end cybersecurity practitioner um, to be able to be a, a real leader. Um, for, to go back to your point, in, in managed security services. I mean, a lot of telcos today will offer managed firewall, and that's great. They'll offer managed DDoS protection, and that's all great. But where cybersecurity is going in terms of being, you know, a, 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 a high-end trusted cybersecurity services partner, 
gears towards the more sort of um, you know threat detection, threat mitigation, um, uh, broader threat incident response, uh, real-time response. That's where cybersecurity is headed, and and to be you know a leading player in that environment, uh, you know that, that that has to but that has to come from a company uh, that practices what it preaches. And I think um, again, a subset of telcos are capable of that, but but many are not. Patrick Donegan is the founder and principal analyst at Hardenstance. He joined us from London. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting futurhythmic.com. The Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.